Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. And my guest in this podcast, we are talking about the production them which tells the story of one young family as they face the decision whether to flee their war-torn city it's opening at Parramatta Riverside on the 28th and 29th of July and we're talking with the multi-award winning playwright Samar Sabawi her critically acclaimed play Tales of a City by the Sea was selected for the 2016 Victorian Certificate of Education Drama Playlist. She's won two Drama Victorian Awards for Best New Australian Publication and Best Performance for VCE and was nominated for the Best Independent Production at the Green Room Awards. And her director, Bagriana Popov, is an award-winning theatre artist who works in an interdisciplinary way. She's collaborated with acclaimed professional artists Artists, students and communities working as a director, actor, dramaturg and performance maker and she's interested in how artistic practice can speak about social and political reality and this production, Them, was first developed in consultation with people living in conflict zones and displaced by war. The play was first supported by MTC or Melbourne Theatre Company's Cybec electric program before enjoying a sellout extended season at the famed La Mama Theatre. Please welcome Samar and Bagriana. Hi Regina, thank you for having us. Hi, hi. Let's start at the beginning. First of all, Samar, where did you grow up? Where was life as a writer beginning for you? So I was born in in Gaza, in Palestine, and we quickly, after my birth, were um, pushed into exile after the aftermath of the uh, Six-Day War. So I opened my eyes and learned how to walk in a refugee camp in Jordan, and then did my early years of schooling, uh, being a refugee, my dad being a worker, uh, a laborer in Saudi Arabia. And I think it's these early experiences of what it meant to grow up um, stateless and paperless in a very hostile world that gave you your human rights based on a piece of paper you have um, and really based on a place where you were born. And so, you know, it was really something growing up in that kind of um, atmosphere and then coming to Australia where I did my, my high school and my university degree here. Uh, my writing didn't start until after 9-11. And I think we all have these milestones in our lives that kind of shake you up and take you back to ground zero. Um, I was a refugee and then I forgot that I was one. For the longest time, I was a very privileged um, woman with uh, a citizenship uh, of a country, Australia, with access to education, and you want to forget, you want to forget where you come from. Um, it's not that, you, that you're being lazy about remembering, it's just so much easier uh, to feel accepted and to feel part of a community and to feel a sense of belonging, even if that sense is 
not 100% real. And 9-11 kind of peeled the layers for us. It, it um, exposed us. Uh, once again, you know, I found myself uh, an Arab, uh, a Muslim at every um, airport that I traveled through. I found myself an Arab and, and a Muslim. Even in my own circles of friends, I found myself the person who had to speak uh, and, and explain and uh, apologize. Boy, did we do a lot of apologizing <laughs> in these early days, and we shouldn't have. Um, and so I started writing as a way to really try to understand my world and explain it to those around me um, uh, and to say, look, we're here uh, and I want to build bridges. That was the initial intention. And then there were so many wars later, uh, more disasters, the war in Iraq, uh, the bombardment of Gaza over and over and over and over again, the siege that hasn't ended. And then there was Syria and the Yermuk refugee camp. And it just felt like pieces of my life was always um, under some kind of a bombardment, no matter where I was or how safe I was. Um, and then, uh, you know, um, I guess for for writing them, it was uh, it was something that happened almost naturally as a response to the breakout of the refugee crisis, and in it, I think I try to uh, really poke fun at the idea of us and them. Having found myself in the us club and in the them club so many times, and sometimes yeah. on the same day twice, um, I wanted to say, you know, uh, let's let's just stop this whole idea of thinking in terms of us and them and just learning the stories and, and hearing uh, some of these voices and familiarizing ourselves with people who have become refugees before they were refugees. Because here in the West, they look at refugees and asylum seekers um, they are recognized from the minute they become refugees as refugees, as if they've had no past life. Uh, mm. I was reading this book by Leila Amar recently, and I love how she says in it, they wanted us, um, you know, to be, they, they saw us as being uh, people that they were surprised if we had university degrees, they were surprised if we were eloquent, they were surprised that we had skills, they thought we were coming to beg in their countries. But we don't want to beg and we don't want to be a burden and we are skilled and we are we have lives and so i wanted to kind of just bring that slice of of life uh in a in a way to say before they were refugees this is this is the last remaining few days in their homeland um and this is the hard decision that they've had to grapple with and this is this is how the story unfolds and um after I wrote it and before Cybic Electric, there was Bagriana and there was this incredible team uh, of amazing um, artists that are, that, that are like Lara Week, who did a, an early reading in her home for the play. Bagriana did a development at La Trobe University. Uh, and so the play very quickly became our baby, all of us. And I love that I'm sitting back now and watching it being nurtured by mm. Bagriana and, and not having a thought in my head for a second that, you know, I need to be watching over her. You know, the, the playwright uh, director relationship is in, in heaven between the two of us, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Uh, because she has worked with refugees uh, before. She is familiar to how the narratives are told. She's familiar to the politics and she brings her heart and soul into um, the direction. Um, and I just couldn't be prouder. And I just wish everybody can go out and see it.
Mm. Well, there is an opportunity and maybe not everyone so far, but hopefully it's touring. Pagriana, so where did you start your life as a director and also as your life as a person, I suppose, and the interest in the creative fields and this sort of interest in humanitarian stories or telling these kinds of stories? Mm. Well, I was born in Eastern Europe in Bulgaria and Mm. I came to Australia as a child in the early 70s. And uh, I then, so I did my primary school, most of my primary schooling, high school and tertiary education here. And I studied at the Victorian College of the Arts and started to make theatre when I came out of, out of VCA um, as an actor and a performance maker. And it was interesting listening to Sama uh, speak through her trajectory and what fed and fueled the making of this play the writing of this play. For me, um, it was actually the Tampa, uh, mm, in, uh, which was at the same time as mm. uh, um, September 11. And uh, my work wasn't, I wouldn't have considered my work political because I wasn't a refugee. I hadn't lived it in that. I, was, I grew up knowing a lot of refugees, but I wasn't technically a refugee. I was a migrant. Mm. And um, I remember going to, to a protest. Uh, I found myself needing to protest what was being done to refugees and the block that Australia was putting up mm. um, when the Tampa was in Australian waters and not allowed to, to enter. And that, that um, sparked something in me, it sparked the need to protest. And I found myself very moved and very distressed by that situation. And it went something like this. I thought it was hard enough being a migrant. It was hard. It's hard to, to uproot and translate yourself and transform into a new person and a new life. And then I couldn't imagine what it would be like to do that and not be safe mm. and not be wanted. And worse than that, to be rejected into unsafety. Yeah. And so uh, somehow from that, the impulse to, to listen to people, to people who were experiencing um, the experience of uh, being refugees from war zones, uh, being in, put into detention centers um, for years, yeah. uh, indefinite detention. All of that I found deeply distressing because in my family history also there was a history of persecution during the totalitarian regime in Bulgaria. And so somehow um, the, the, I, I suppose a, a compassion or a, a feeling of responsibility to listen and to speak about mm. this um, became part of my artistic life. I needed yeah. to speak about it through my work. And so, and then the projects kind of started coming and I started making work around these themes, these issues and working with refugees, as Samar mentioned. And then I just was blessed that one day I got an email saying, would you be interested in reading this script uh, that uh, Samar Sabawi has written? And I had seen Tales of a City by the Sea. I was deeply moved by it, shocked and deeply moved, shocked into... Um, experiencing with the characters what what they were facing um, and so uh, I, I 
read the script. I loved it and I became involved quite early on, as Samar said. And what I loved was not just the story, but the humanity, the humour of the story. And I particularly loved that at the beginning of the script, Samar has written what she calls a pledge for cultural diversity. Okay. And that in the casting, we're encouraged to uh, cast div- actors from diverse backgrounds. And while we love working with actors from Arabic backgrounds because they know in their culture, cultural memory and in their body and in, in their language, they, they know where the play is coming from, we've had um, actors from various cultural, various faith backgrounds, and I love that because this principle of dissolving the us and them becomes part of our rehearsal room and the way that we listen to each other and work with each other. And that's very precious for me. I love that, Agriana, dissolving the us and them in the rehearsal room, dissolving the line. Love it. <laughs> you should put it in, in, in the explanation about the play somewhere. It's a gorgeous line and it's so true too. It is such a great line. And also because that's what you immediately think, this sort of separation. Both of you have spoken about this kind of obligation to 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 tell to protest or to have a voice. But at the same time I can't help, like you've said, Bagriana, the difficulty in telling these stories. And Samara can't help but think of you having this sort of return to remembering. Um of being a refugee, how how have you written this? Where are the voices coming from? Because I understand you must have done interviews with people who have been through conflict. Can you talk about that writing process and working with someone's personal story? Yeah, so um, the voices that came in the first draft, just to go back a little bit. So the first draft was written in Finland. I was doing a speaking tour in Finland. Um, And there was a day that was a free day. We didn't have anything, uh, but I was encouraged by my handlers to stay in my hotel room because it was the Finnish national day. And that was when the refugee crisis was breaking out um, all over Europe. And so there were uh, very big protests planned uh, in Finland uh, by the nationalists who wanted to make sure that their borders remained shut to the pedophiles and the terrorists that were going to come and destroy their society. And so um, I was told it would be safer for me to stay in my hotel room because of my skin color. You can't mistake that I look like an Arab. Um, And I did. And, um, and I just sat there and I thought, you know, what is it? Do these people even know what it's like uh, for, for families to make a decision to leave everything that they have and run? And, and not run somewhere safe or somewhere they know they will be accepted, but they're just running from a fire and into a possible other fire. But you just have to run. When you're burning, you move. And, um, and so I sat down and I started writing and I, it took me that one day to write the entire first draft. And the voices that were coming to me were um, some of the jokes between the couple, how he chases her um, and he wants to get it on uh, while the bombs are falling. And, and some of the jokes, these were stories that I was that I already knew from my family, um, my cousins in Gaza during the war, the bombardment of 2014. 
Uh, there is a thing in there with uh, where they, they put their baby under the sink. My entire cousins, like my cousin hid her three children under the sink when the F-16 was hovering above their building. Um, and so there were, there were bits and fragments of stories that I knew I was familiar with um, that broke my heart and, and stayed with me. Um, and stories from Yarmouk, from our relatives there. I have a sister-in-law who lives in Yarmouk. Um, I have uh, friends who have families. So all of these just kind of came together into this story of these five people. So the draft was written from these voices that I had carried in my head for a while. Um, sometimes a story sits with you until it knows when it needs to be expressed, right? But when I came back um, and we started the process of reading and, and redrafting and polishing and the dramaturgy and you know all the other stuff, um, I uh, met with several uh, Syrian uh, refugees, uh, some were academics, um, some were from different backgrounds. Um, I read with them the script. Um, I had little focus groups of like a group of friends over dinner and we would read together. Um, and then they would discuss. And the reason I went through this process, um, and I even translated it into Arabic and read it for my family overseas, yeah. is because I wanted to two things, to make sure of two things. One, that it did not feel like a Western mm. gaze uh, or voyeurism into yeah. a war zone. Um, I didn't want to romanticize. People say resilience and, and heroism and all that stuff. And it really angers me sometimes because we romanticize people's ability to survive. It is, it is something that they have to do, but we can't keep saying, oh, look, you know, look at them in Gaza or look at, look at how beautiful, look at how they stopped, um, you know, they, 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 they survived. So I wanted to make sure that it doesn't fall into that voyeurism or Western romanticism um, that we have when we look at survival. And the other thing is I wanted to make sure it wasn't offensive in any way. Um, I, I, it, not in any way, but rather it wasn't offensive to, in a blatant way um, to, to anything I cared about. I don't want people that come from Syria to sit and watch it and then be offended by something that tells their story. And so I wanted a language that could actually, as fractured as Syria is, I wanted a language that could unify that story, that could... Um, that would not be divisive, but would just say, look, here is, here is the story. Um, and it could have been any one of us. It could have been any one of our factions. It could have been in any refugee camp or not in a refugee camp, but this is what war does. Um, and so that, that process took, I don't know, three years yeah. of, you know, a little bit of, uh, or two years maybe of a little bit of self-writer, self-doubt combated by another reading with another uh, person that I wanted to get um, feedback from. And then we went into dramaturgy with a uh, two-week development with Bagriana and and then Cybic Electric. And <laughs> that was yeah. the whole process. Yeah. I have to ask, what did your family think? And was it emotional for them to hear this work? My family absolutely love it. Um, or at least they tell me they love it or else I'll stop calling them and... <laughs> hanging out with them I mean look they're very they're proud of it they like it but to be to be completely honest about this people who live still in the war zones people like my cousins in Gaza they they are supportive um, 
but I don't expect, but I don't expect more than that from them because this is mm. their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like they were thinking, Hey, you know, finally Samar wrote the story and now the tomorrow is going to be a sunny day and yeah. the occupation is going to end. So I'm very realistic in my expectation. I'm almost actually really embarrassed when I present uh, their stories, because like I said, there is, there are so many um, feelings about, you know, whose story is it is. Um, if I get, if people praise it, uh, my heart aches a little bit more because it's not my story um, and nothing has changed. Um, mm. And, um, you know, there's a, a new war every day. Um, Gaza still under siege. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we just take it in stride and we um, try to tell a story that appeals to audiences um, and makes them pause and listen. And I don't make them miserable, as Bakriana said. <laughs> we give them humor. We give them music. Um, we give them a slice of life as it is lived um, for as long as it's continued to be lived. And we hope that they... We hope that it makes them think when they hear about any war breaking out anywhere. It, it should never be the answer to anything. So, Bagriano, do you want to talk about taking this work to the stage from the writing of this? Yeah. Yes, and I also want to comment on something that comes up as listening to Samar speak that uh, yes, we give humour, yes, we don't make them miserable, but it is also heartbreakingly moving and it's morally complex. So I think that another thing that Sama has done uh, is beautifully and with depth is to present the characters not as just one thing, not certainly not as just victims or not as just uh, good or just bad. They're very complex living people with needs and with aspirations and in relationship to one another and to their world. And they make choices and they make choices that are actually impossible because, as she said before, running from a fire potentially into a fire, but they're still active and making choices and looking for a way of basically how to save their families is the essential need. It's all about living a normal life and saving your, your family and yourself, and that in the process of that, some of the characters make uh, difficult moral choices or complex moral choices. So, for example, the character of Salma, uh, Omar's older sister, uh, is she's quite fraught. She's been through a lot, but what she's doing is um, it's uh, how how would you put it, um, Sama? Uh, it's morally difficult. It's morally fraught but she has reasons to do what she's doing. And so the play takes us into people's uh, life, but also the difficulty of the, their life and the difficulty of the decisions they're faced with uh, in their need to survive, to get from one day to the next day. I've now worked on the play with three or four different casts. Uh, as actors come and go, and each time 
unwaveringly, it's like a family forms. There's a great warmth and humanity and commitment to the work. And how we approach the play is through the beautiful dialogue that Sama has written, which gives us a way in to this young couple, Omar and Leila, uh, and their baby, Marwan. They, they need to make the decision, do we stay or go? And Omar's friends, Majid and Muhammad, and Omar's sister, Salma. So we, we meet these people. It's like we enter with them. And so in the process of the rehearsal, we bring out a lot of ourselves, um, our hearts, our voices. The, they sing, they dance, but also in the developing the scenes and the relationships so that they really speak and so that they have that... Um, full livingness of the characters mm. we we do a lot of playing a lot of discussing we go deep mm. and the actors are very open and so supportive of one another it's mm. it, it's like the play kind of encourages that and, and welcomes that and so it's it's uh, the the bringing it to life has been a combination of um rigor play and a lot of warmth and a lot of mm. building of relationships and it's just beautifully beautiful to work with such a culturally diverse cast it's uh, i feel so at home yeah yeah and it must have changed and evolved and so much over the last well number of years now since that um hotel in finland somehow uh yeah i mean it's it's uh it's been a long journey, definitely, um, and uh, I'm very proud of the what we have now. I love uh, the cast. Uh, um, I love every cast we've had, and I think this one's going to be amazing. Uh, and I encourage people to go see it. I'm looking forward to coming to Riverside uh, and later to Casula this, uh, in, in this uh, tour. Uh, we're going to be uh, working with a lot of diverse groups, uh, at least one diverse group, I think, upstage, uh, what are they called, <laughs> um, out in, in Riverside Theatre, uh, the upstage club. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to meet some of the young people, some of the young writers uh, in Parramatta. And uh, really looking forward to it. Can't wait to, to show you what we've got. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining me. There's so much to talk about still, but really look forward to seeing this, them playing at Parramatta Riverside. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Well, that was Samar Sabawi and Bagriana Popov there with them playing at the Riverside Theatre. Get along and see it on only on the 28th and 29th of July, two nights only before heading to Kasula Powerhouse. So another opportunity there.